Here's Neymar now. Cavani is there. Balotelli on the turn. Quality. Kalufa Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tomac. Kylian Mbappe wraps it up. Hello and bienvenue to Le Bourgeois, the Ligue 1 podcast. Now, the season is over, sort of. And on this week's show, we'll talk Tuchel's PSG contract extension, whether Villas Boas is the man to revive OM's fortunes, who should replace Gasset at Saint-Etienne, look ahead to the promotion relegation playoff as Sleeping Giants' Lance take on Dijon, and talk about the futures of stars such as Falcao, Balotelli and Aouar. Now, this is the programme that listened to my demands for greater responsibility. I'm David Cross and your host, as Matt Spiro is away walking to Baku or something like that. I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Robbie Thompson, whose season, like PSG's, finished some weeks ago, but at least he's here and he's hosting the podcast as we're in his house. Thank you, Dave. Welcome to be here. I I am freewheeling it all the way to the end. And to Robbie's left, Be In Sports presenter Darren Tulip. Bonjour, Darren. Hello. I'm to the left of most people, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Like Kylian Mbappe, everyone voted in the European elections, I hope. Mm. Well, this is episode 13. It's lucky for most people. Uh, But Paris Saint-Germain finished off their season with another disappointing result. They were at Reims in week 38, and Andy Scott commentated this one. Baba Rachman continued his run, and Baba Rachman has scored. It's a great finish. And Reims take the lead against the champions. It's back to Cafaro. Taking on Kurzawa. Might fancy the shot here. It's 2-0. A thunderous strike from Matu Cafaro. 2-0 down here tonight, but they could get a goal back now. Mbappe turns it in. The man who wants more responsibility, taking responsibility here. Pablo Chavaria is in on goal here against Buffon. Surely 3-1. There it is. Raz wrap up the victory. And they're finishing on the highest of highs by beating the champions here. Now, after the game, after the 3-1 defeat, Thomas Tuchel, unsurprisingly, had to feel plenty of questions about his future. He's quite a good actor, is the German, I think, because in an interview he gave to Canal Plus, he started saying, well, everyone's asking me about this. Do you know something I don't? Should I have reason to be worried? The next day, his one-year contract extension was announced. He's now got a contract through to the end of June 2021. Now, Robbie Thompson, as all of you listen regularly to this podcast, is the producer of the This Is Paris programme. He knows everything going on at the Capital Club. Robbie, what was it all about? Just about everything. I, I, I'm not, I don't quite uh, know who's coming in, and, and Antero hasn't asked me my opinion of, of who to bring in for the, the summer mercato. But on this, uh, on this occasion, I can uh, shine a bit of light on this topic. I'm not sure Thomas Tuchol is that good an actor. I think he probably is as well, but probably more than anything, I think he forgot. That, he, that he'd signed a, a, a new contract because it's starting to go back a little while now. He said in a press conference about two months ago, when someone asked him this question about, it, about his extension, he said, look, uh, there are things that have happened, um, but the club don't want to say anything yet, so I have no announcement to make. I had an interview with him last week for the end of season. This is Paris, the, the best of show of uh, the highlights of the Ligue 1 season. And I said, well, congratulations, first of all, on the, on the new contract. And he looked at me, this glazed look, and then goes, oh, yes, of course, yes. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, looking forward to it. Look, he's, I think the club are very happy with him. I think they've, they've known this almost from the start. Remember the, the scenes after his first game in charge in China when the players all stormed the press conference and showered in, in champagne. I think the club put a lot of importance on what the big stars think, what Thiago Silva thinks, what Neymar thinks, and they all love Thomas Tuchel. If the players love the coach, I think that's half the battle. Isn't the timing a bit surprising though, Darren? I mean, they could have announced this if it was all sealed months ago. They could have announced it while they were still in the Champions League, while they were still in the Coupe de France. Instead, they announced it after the last game of the season when the form's been bad. Over the last 11 games, there'd only be six in the table. Yeah, but they've been thinking of people like, like us who do podcasts, Dave, because otherwise we wouldn't have had anything to talk about over the last few weeks. Um, now, of course, it is kind of weird that they, they couldn't announce this earlier. We've felt, uh, those of us who follow uh, French football closely, that this was a, a done deal and that all the speculation about other people coming in was just that speculation. Uh, but it's true that PSG, by not announcing it, have allowed this, this kind of strange ambiance to, to settle around the club. 
And perhaps it would have been better just to get that out there, you know, right uh, like two or three months ago. And that would have just maybe concentrated minds a little bit. Because what we're seeing now and what we've seen at this end of the season is a really disappointing, you know, damp squib of an end of a season. Uh, it's that classic thing where you're, you're champions too early. You know, it's a little bit like Juventus have done the same uh, in Italy. Once you've already won and there's nothing left to play for, then obviously people's concentration slips a little bit and people start thinking about next season and who's going to be where and who's going to be playing where and what position I'm going to be in, if, you're, if your name is Killian anyway, uh, and who's going to take the penalties and, and how do I make sure I get my hands on that number nine shirt? Well, I think, that's, that's part, I think you've touched on part of the problem there, which was Paris Saint-Germain often feel forced to come out and, and publish... Uh, press releases saying this report in the in the paper today is false. It, there's it's fake news. There's nothing true in it. But when they could come out just before that, anticipate it and say, look, done deal. Things have finished. This is the way it is. So no need to for C- everyone control to the narrative exactly to to try and control it. But in the club's defence, and I think we've seen we've seen other examples of this, most notably with the whole um, Spanish coach at the World Cup going to Real Madrid. L- L- you in L- Lopetegui, yeah. Lopetegui. Just before he signed, it was Real Madrid's way of saying, we don't want to sign a coach that may bomb at the World Cup, so let's announce it first. Paris Saint-Germain didn't want to announce it straight after, I think, the, the Champions League's exit. Didn't want to announce it when they lost three games in I the think, league and didn't secure I think the title. What? Didn't want to announce it straight after the Coupe de France loss. So said in the end, look, we'll wait until the season is finished. And then we announce it. I think what I find curious, gentlemen, is that if they think they've got the right man, then surely you sign them to a more than two-year contract. That Unai Emery got given a two-year contract. Thomas Tuchel initially signed a two-year contract before this one-year extension. Now, that Rans defeat was the fifth loss in the league this season. That's only happened three times since the Qataris took over in 2011. In the first season, when they didn't win the league. And in 2016-2017, when they didn't win the league. Now, winning the league is a minimum requirement. And some people would say, does Tuchel deserve to still be around next season? I would say yes, because of what happened in the first six months uh, of his reign here in PSG. And he has convinced, like, uh, like Robbie was saying, uh, the most important players in the dressing room. And that, is, that was his first battle. Mm. Uh, that's one. He's got the, the main players in his pocket. Uh, and that means that he can build on that. You know, he can build on the confidence that he's got from them. Uh, obviously, the people who hired him are, are impressed by him. They were uh, apparently right from the word uh, go, uh, and he, they see him as the man to take the club forward. Even though they, you know, there was a, a few, uh, you know, there have been a few un- unfortunate episodes on the pitch this season that they've decided that, that, that he's the guy to take them forward. And I think that's uh, that's probably the, the right decision. I think that the two-year thing is just, you know, just more of a reflection of the way football is today, and that people yeah, nobody see, nobody expects a manager to last more than a it, couple it is of the seasons. minimum I, contract I that you're allowed to offer. Sorry, In France, that's the minimum length of contract you're allowed to offer is two years. Okay, well, I seem to remember something a few years ago, perhaps when Laurent Blanc had just finished his third year and there was no more two years, despite the fact he'd signed for them, was that a coach, a cycle is only two or three years for a coach. And maybe it was Montagne who said it, who's now at Lens and might be back, but might have just to leave. Just ask Jose Mourinho. I think he's just about at the end of his own cycle, if, if that's the case. But the, the, the fact that a coach only has so many ideas has to motivate and the the likes of Ferguson and Wenger there it's very rare to see a coach manage that or or Stefan Moulin at Angers who's been there for for a decade now. Now we've got to talk about player power Darren and Robbie because Thomas Tuchel made it known publicly that he was against Neymar being allowed to return to Brazil ahead of this last game of the season against France that despite Neymar being suspended someone else according to the reports at the club allowed Neymar to leave Tuchel says everyone has to pull in the same direction in the light of that Neymar incident and what Kylian Mbappe said last week. Is everyone pulling in the same direction? Well, Robbie's going to tell us who that somebody else was, I guess, <laughs> that gave permission to... I mean, this is, this is you? This is, this is an amazing thing. <laughs> Seriously, guys, this is an amazing thing, isn't it? You know, we're at the, the last week of the season. Neymar, as we know, is suspended and everything. Uh, but rather than hang around for that last game, OK, it doesn't mean much to, to PSG... He just goes off to Brazil again, uh, just again underlying the whole problem that there is around him at PSG of this superstar player mm. who has missed out, unfortunately, through injuries on the big games since he's been here, who came to PSG apparently to step up a level and try to win the Ballon d'Or because he felt that he couldn't do that whilst playing in the shadow of Messi, which he was probably right to think. But he's come here and, and you've got the impression sometimes, let's face it, 
that he, he, he almost considers that he's above the competition in a way. I mean, I, I love watching Neymar play and he's one of those guys who I would gladly pay uh, my ticket mm. to go and see in a, in a stadium week in, week out. But you, you can understand why some people are frustrated at the way things go on because that kind of attitude, you know, oh, he's often, you know, he's back in Brazil for the carnival, he's, he's playing poker here, he's being filmed doing that, he's dancing in the streets or whatever whilst other people are playing week in, week out. And now he doesn't even hang around for the last game of the season. He's already back in Brazil to have a little bit of a breather before the Copa America. I mean, good for him, but it does kind of betray for me uh, the fact that you wouldn't see this in what we consider to be big, well-organised clubs. I can't imagine a star player of Juventus or Bayern Munich disappearing before the end of the season like like this. I think there's such an aura around Neymar as well, is that if it, if it had been at Barcelona where you have other, other great players, Perhaps it would it would almost disappear, you know, because Messi is still on, on the pitch. I'm not excusing the fact. Thomas Tuchel in the press conference, he did say, look, it's not a sporting decision because the player is suspended. So he, he wasn't in my plans. He's not been taken away from my choices for this weekend. So once that's the case, then look, the club makes the decision it wants. He also did say that, and exactly what Dave just said, next season, and I think this is the big turning point. I think next season that we will see a lot stricter, more German-style Paris Saint-Germain, if you like. Less, less laissez-faire, the French way of, look, he's, a, he's an artiste. We let, him, we let him, for an artiste to express himself on the football pitch, he needs, to, he needs to feel great. He did it last year. He went back to prepare for the World Cup. This year, he's gone to prepare for the Copa America. Paris always had this problem. Remember when Ronaldinho was here under Luis Fernandez, and he too was this free spirit party artiste party slash kept a, artist kept a lot of nightclubs going in Paris yeah but I remember and I and let's I remember this story it was a fantastic story at Bordeaux and it included Jean-Louis Gasset who we're going to talk about later with Suleiman Diawara who was a fantastic central defender he was at Bordeaux they were champions they were clear at the top and they had a very difficult cup game where they only just got through after extra time against a third division side I think it was or second division side and Laurent Blanc went into the dressing room and he said that's it no more partying, all of you. We, we, we're going to concentrate on winning this second league on title in a row. Or maybe it was the first one, 2009. Nobody going out, everyone focused. And so Suleiman Diawara said, okay, I think he's, he's looking at me. I'm going to really be, be careful and be, and be solid here. And form started to drop, form started to drop. Suleiman Diawara was struggling. One of his teammates said, what's, what's going on, man? He goes, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying really hard. I'm not going out at all. I'm just... And after one game, Jean-Louis Gasset came up to him and said, Sully, Thursday night, students' night, on the town in Bordeaux, <laughs> go. Well, talking and they about, said, what? No, coach, I'm being really good. I'm being good. No, go. Talking go about party. partying, Rob. Uh, and he came back to his best form. Yeah, he was yeah. back because I, some players need that. Sure. And Suleiman Diawara was that person. Now, Paris Saint-Germain were in Champagne country. And uh, according to reports, Paris Saint-Germain refused the offer of a Jeroboam of Champagne, which uh, is four bottles of champagne. Mm, three so litres. Three litres of champagne in a single bottle. And all season long, Rance have been presenting these to France's World Cup winners as a way to say thank you. So Steve Mondonda, Florian Tovan received one when they went there with Marseille. But Paris Saint-Germain didn't want that photo opportunity, apparently. They could have I had assume a better party. Rami got one as well, Dave. Uh, he deserves <laughs> one. I mean, as long as he didn't do to that what he did to the fire extinguisher. Uh, anyway, we do have a, an email from a listener, and you can contact us at leagampodcast at gmail.com. That's L-I-G-U-E, the number one, podcast at gmail.com. And a regular correspondent, Adam Cyrilnik, has been in contact, and we have covered some of the points that he mentions uh, in this letter to us. Let's call it a missive. Uh, bonjour, Ligan crew, he says. As an OM supporter, I'm no means a PSG lover. Mbappe's recent statement got me thinking about how Neymar is viewed. I'm of the belief that Ney thinks he's bigger than not only PSG, but French football in general. Mbappe speaks of wanting more responsibility, while Neymar seems to avoid responsibility when things aren't going his way. He's been in Paris for two seasons and has only played in half of the club's league and matches. He gets injured and magically returns when Brazil calls. And of course, there's always the carnival stroke sister's birthday streak he's been going on. Is Neymar not the real villain here? Well, thanks to Adam Cyrilnik for getting in contact. Villain, too strong a word, probably. I think that injured is, a, is another way to, to describe it. I would say, I would say that the coming season, uh, you were saying for the coaches, obviously, are mm. very important. But for Neymar too, it's about time that he stepped up now. And, you know, we really hope that he can play a whole season 
without being injured and show us what he's capable of. But there's so Especially many decisions. Especially the business end of the season. That's exactly. the real thing we're waiting for, isn't it? We've exactly. seen some fantastic performances, but we, we need to see but him. who will he be playing alongside and in what kind of team? There's so much uh, to go on this summer. You know, we've got the backroom staff situations and we've got new players coming in. Who's going to be going out? Uh, there are a lot of questions, you know, to, to, to resolve, I think, for Thomas Tuchel, who, according to today's reports, in, in the keep at least, um, may find himself with a different director of football or director sportif because they're saying, that, under pressure, yeah, they're saying that Enrique, after recent noises coming from the club saying that, you know, nothing's going to change, today in L'Equipe, they say there's going to be a big meeting in Doha in the next uh, hours or days and that his future may not be as clear as, as, as we thought. And of course, I remember talking to, to Arsene Wenger earlier this season. Uh, it was a few months ago now, so I think I can betray his confidence. Uh, oops. Um, no, but he, you know, he made it very clear to me that he would love to work for PSG and that he gets on very well with, with Tuchel and they actually you know, have broached the subject. But all well, the time... there was a lot of talk last year, wasn't there? I think it was Yeah, well, but all the time that Enrique is there, of course, that can't happen. So are they now thinking in Doha that perhaps they need to change that situation? Having now made public their vote of confidence for the German coach, surely they have to listen to him but is that not about exactly his background Is that not... Lekip just saying, look, we can't really keep going on the coach now because they've just announced he signed new deal. Where, where? Oh, look, Antero Enrique. It's three months since uh, Nasser Al-Khalifi said he's staying. Laurent so Blanc signed uh, a new contract and after they lost to Manchester City in the Champions League, he was out that summer. So the fact that he true. has signed a contract, yes, Doesn't I do think it means something. Protect but, you. Yeah, knowing I mean, that- when you have so much money that you can pay out, like Monaco did with Thierry Henry as well, like Paris Saint-Germain did with Laurent Blanc, it certainly means that contracts are less uh, less important, perhaps, than, than one might have thought. I think it's almost time we move on from Paris Saint-Germain, but a quick footnote to that Rance game. Ditrantois, when I say that to you gentlemen, what do you think? It's like going to the doctors when we first moved here. That's how they test your breathing. They make you say 33. Kylian Mbappe ended on 33 league and goals for the season with a single goal against Rance. Could have got even more if he hadn't been suspended, perhaps if he hadn't mm. been playing left wing in certain games. And we'll be trying to challenge for the European Golden Boot uh, next year, the Golden Boot claimed by Lionel Messi this season. We should talk briefly about Rance, came up as Ligue 2 champions mm. and uh, an impressive season for them, finishing in eighth place. Just, just one little side footnote then for me <laughs> on, on Killian. Please, let's not forget, he is 20. He is 20 years of age. 21 in December, I think. But look, he has time. Two He's more years for Paris now. Saint-Germain to finish top scorer in Europe, to, to take them all the way to Champions League, quarterfinal, semi-final, or perhaps even a final. He has time on his side. He is as impatient as anyone, as we said last week. He wants to get there as quickly as possible. But I don't think there's much doubt that barring injury, barring all sorts of things, he's already won the World Cup. He will probably get there, let's face it. No one has ever seen a player... Since, since Lionel Messi, who's so certain to reach the top of the pile, I think, in football. So, look, he will get there, let's face it. 33 goals in a first full, real, full season of playing centre-forward is not a bad return. Precocious. And next year, I'm pretty sure he will have the number nine shirt on his back. Uh, and Cavani will probably be uh, playing elsewhere. Positionally, I think he wants the number seven as a personal... Uh, as, a, as, a, as a tribute to a certain Portuguese player at War the Seven as well. Hmm. Cristiano, perhaps. Is that right? <laughs> but yes, a, a bubbly, a bubbly time for for Reims, of course, for their first season uh, after promotion. They've done extremely well on a squad where you know nobody, no names have st- stuck out. You know, um, since they, since they went up, they didn't sign any big stars. They don't have a star manager, but they had a, a system in place. They had a way of playing. And you know, sometimes when clubs come up, they they they've got that confidence. You know, that's that wave that they ride, and then after a few weeks, that crashes on the the rocks of reality. But uh, Reims actually stayed that way throughout the season and have done really well. Yeah, Reims really strong defensively. Uh, they only conceded 42 goals in their 38 games. Edouard Mendy, their goalkeeper, one of the stars of the season. But I have to say, even though Reims finished above them in the table, Nîmes were my favourites this season. Loved the way they played. They scored 57, conceded 58. Guaranteed entertainment. <laughs> For me, there was more fizz at Nîmes than there was at Reims this season. And Matt Spiro watched their last game of the season. An absolute cracker against Olympique Lyonnais. Oh, great goal. Absolutely brilliant. On to man, Bobby Shaw. And Neem take the lead just before half-time. By all right. Maxwell Cornet coming in field onto his right foot and Cornet! 
with a super strike. Bruno Genesio can thank Maxwell Cornet for saving Leon from defeat in what is his final game as coach. Four minutes of added time. Here's Dubois. Dubois crossing and it's gone in. It's in Dombele. And Leon with two goals in as many minutes. They've turned this one around. So excellent from Nîmes this season under Bernard Blackard, despite losing out in that five-goal thriller uh, against Lyon. The winning goal was scored by the big homie, as Memphis Depay referred to him, Tongi. And that's not Armel Tongi, the regular podcast contributor. That is Tongi Ndombele, perhaps signing off his Lyon career with a goal. We'll talk about transfers a little bit later in the show. But we want to talk a bit more about Nîmes now and some of the players that have really stepped up to show their league and quality under Bernard Blackard, the veteran coach. Uh, everyone knows about Teji Savanier. He finished as the top assist provider this season with 13. He actually didn't have his first assist until November. And Savanier has been linked with a move back to Montpellier, where he was briefly on the books. He's still got family there. Uh, still lives there in Montpellier. It's about 40 kilometres from Nîmes, which is strange given how much those two sides hate each other. And but the supporters. The as transfer well. fee is cheap for a player of his quality. That Montpellier, according to the French press, wants to offer six million. It's said that Nîmes are looking for more like ten million. Robbie, I think, and uh, and I agree with you, say Dave, saying how much this Nîmes side impresses. They're like a a team of pirates. And I remember when I was growing up, when I was younger, there was a Torino side in ninety two, ninety three that made the UEFA Cup final, and they they were a bit like the Cameroon, the, the Colombia side of 1990-94 with the long hair, the beards. They, they, I mean, they really looked like pirates as, as opposed to just playing like them as well. Maybe this Nim side doesn't have the same quality of, of either of those two sides, but they have the same spirit, which is we are Nim, you hate us, we don't care, we're, we're the crocodiles, we play in this stadium, we're, we're unfashionable, we don't have any big names, but we're going we're gonna to kick seven shades of blue into you. Are you saying they're the, another word. the middle wall of French football? Well, exactly, but they have had success as well and who have turned it on. As Dave says, they, they've scored some fantastic goals. They have these underrated players that, are, that have little bits of brilliance in them, but unfortunately, on the beep test, their, their results are so low that they can never get that sign for a big club where fitness is still important. Here at NIM, organised, but they play on spirit. They're all matadors. We've seen Ripa when he, when he celebrates a goal because that's a, a strong part of the, the culture down there in the Yeah, the Carida, the, the bullfighting. Look, it's, it's, and I, you can I'm have your ethical for... disagreements with it, but you have yes, to appreciate exactly. that Ripar is but... he, he's so <laughs> integral to that local culture. He's Neem born. He was a fan. He was a ball boy. Now he's a player. He's living the dream, and he's finished the season on fire. He's actually my favourite. Savanier gets the headlines, but you talk about players that never stop running. Renault Ripar has to be one of the hardest working players. Most of his goals are quite scruffy. He looks like a bit of a throwback footballer. He looks a bit like a 1980s footballer. But he's someone I'd want to have in my team. He's the player that I think when Nîmes fans go to Stade de Costier, they think, if I was on the pitch, I would want to play like Renault Ripa. Pirates, matadors. I don't think I can it's add brilliant, anything, isn't it? anything more colourful to that. But it has <laughs> been, a, yeah, it's, it's been a fun season watching them. Uh, next season might be a little bit complicated. Yeah, but that second season often is. Just another word on the, on, on the squad. Feti Harek. The veteran who used to play at uh, at Bastia as well, from that I remember, he must be mid thirties or even later now. He only played three league matches this season, but he received an award at the end of season awards for his charity work in Algeria, where he where he created an orphanage um, with the help of some some local charities there. And he gave a speech at the end of season awards where he said, "Look, do you people all understand how privileged we are here? We're footballers, and this." You know, we have to do something. We have to be able to give something back. And a lot of footballers do. A lot of footballers, this goes unseen, just how much, how generous they are with their, with their money. But They do a lot of good work for charity. They just don't well. like to talk about it all the time. No, he was, he was a good guy. He made a very good speech. And of course, it was all overshadowed by the M Mbappé exactly. bomb, bomb yeah. that he dropped. But yeah, that was the, the well, one... the problem with kids the one, today. The one, <laughs> that was the one genuine moment of emotion of the award ceremony. I think what both Rance and Nîmes have done is show the way to Metz and Brest, who are the two clubs guaranteed to come up from Ligue 2 for next season, could yet be joined by Lens, and we'll talk more about Lens a little bit later in the show. Come up, play with that freedom, try and attack a little bit if you can in the Nîmes way. Rance actually modified their style. They were free scoring in Ligue 2, much tighter when they came up to Ligue 1. So let's see whether Metz and Brest can match Rance and Nîmes by staying up next season. 
Moving things along, um, Robbie, on uh, Friday night, because all the games took place on Friday night, you commentated Olympique de Marseille's last game of the season. It was Rudy Garcia's last in charge, and let's find out what happened. Surely the goal, and it is. Florian Tovar and Marseille have the lead. It's all over. Rudy Garcia's reign as coach of Olympique de Marseille ends with victory. So, Robbie, at least Rudy Garcia said goodbye to the velodrome with a win. Uh, there'd have been a lot more dissent inside the stadium if Garcia hadn't already announced his departure. Florian Tovan with the winner, his 16th of the season. Yes, there were still a few huge banners saying that they'd like the board to resign now that they got their wish that the coach is going. Look, it's a win, but it was a bit of a win going out with a whimper anyway. It was a dire first half. Um, second half, they got their goal from a set piece. Tovan, yes, he's had, a, he's had a very good season. Not as good as last year. Tovan, incidentally, at the uh, interview on pitch side at the end of the match, said, look, I don't know where I'll be next season. Without saying in explicitly, I could be leaving, I could be staying, I don't know. He, he, and when he was asked the question again by the journalist on the sideline, he said, look, I've already said all I'm going to say. It was a little bit of a, an ambiguous Kylian Mbappe launching the I think in recent weeks it's moved closer to Tovan hinting that he's going to stay rather than leaving. But, uh, well, yes, but he, look, I'm sure feeling, he wants things to change Don't you get the well. feeling that when you feel that the club wants to sell you because you're perhaps their most valuable asset, that that's when you start digging in your heels to make sure you get a better deal. <laughs> Exactly, and, you, and to, to make sure that, yes, you have to be pried away Yeah, and, from, the, and from the fans blame the management, not They you. have a lot of players that are in this situation, don't they, Marseille? I mean, they should never have been in that situation when you look at their, the, on paper, their squad. They have a, a very good squad. I think Rudy Garcia, he said in his post-match interview, look, I put my hand up, I'm, I'm the number one responsible for this situation. He is, and I think uh, a lot of people should hope that the new man that's coming in if they manage to hold on to a lot of these players, bring in a couple, importantly, at the back, perhaps in central defence, where they need something, another player in midfield, depending on what happens with Strotman, for example. But look, Mario Balotelli, red card, as he as he leaves and, and goes out of French football in controversial fashion, a little bit the way it's always been. Is he been definitely going to leave? Though, and he was saying he doesn't well, he's know what... The, the, he's out of contract, but he says he doesn't know what Marseille want. He's enjoyed his time at Marseille. Um well, he's done so, very well at Marseille. He scored eight goals, goals in yeah. 14 matches, seven of them at the Velodrome. Yeah, he's but done very he, well. He, he's, he got lucky and, and putting a few headers in from corners. Let's face it, his, his, his current situation is just one of the most frustrating football stories of, of recent years, in my opinion. Mm. Watching this guy stroll around a pitch uh, as if he's, on, he's having a little practice game with some friends, week in, week out, whilst growing an enormous salary and wasting his talent it just kills me. I mean, I just think this guy uh, has lost the plot, you know, and, I, and I'm really saddened by that because I loved watching his joie de vivre, you know, when he was younger and, and having fun. And when he was in Manchester, you know, despite all the, all the headlines from the English press and everything, you still felt that he was enjoying his football. These days, you know, the, the smile isn't so often there and there's a kind of, you know, nonchalance and a shrug of the shoulders uh, and you just think, oh, hang on, what on earth does he actually want? You know, what is he looking for? He's just going from, from club to club to unlikely contract to, to another unlikely contract and you can't work out uh, whether he's actually you know, ever going to find the form that he once showed. He spoke about his playing style over the weekend as well in an interview. He said, look, I'm never going to press like Carlos Tevez. That's not my game. I'm, I'm there to score goals. I think anyone who watches Marseille has to say that like, he does just walk about the pitch. He's got to move a little bit more. There were a couple of games <laughs> right at the start of his Marseille career where um, I think... Broke into a trot. Well, <laughs> I think when you see someone like Lucas Ocampos to your left and you see how hard he's working, you sort of factor up how much you're going to run around just so that you don't look as ridiculous. But that tailed yeah, off. Yeah, but I, and I know, Dave, in, in the great Northern English tradition, you hate a, a, a prima donna type or a number nine that's just there to, to not work for the team as well or an Argentinian number 10, for example. But I think, you know, it's up to the coach and the club to use Balotelli, to get him motivated to get and use him to his best and when you like you say you've got Tovan or Campos you can have Luis Gustavo you could have Dimitri Payet playing just behind him you you do have players there that can can draw the best out of Balotelli look you let's face it scoring goals is the hardest thing in football that's why you have a player like that he can hit the leather off a of football he can place it he can take free kicks 
No, he's not in the best form. He's a giant of a man. He's good in the air. And he understands football and reads the situation well. They scored a fantastic goal a, a couple of weeks back where he was involved twice in the build-up with Hiroki Sakai. For I can't remember who scored now. Valère Germain putting it in the back of the net. It was a fantastic goal. If you get the best out of Balotelli, he's still worth something to your side. The that's trick a big, is that that's it's a up big to if. you to get the and best out of him. And his wages are huge. And he was and on more money at Marseille huge. than he was at Nice, who mm. he left in January. So Guys, given that Marseille this aren't one, in Europe... This one will roll and roll. It will go on all summer and eventually he'll sign as a last-minute... you know, At Atalanta. A last-minute punch in the was Champions the League as of last <laughs> night. And he was already linked to Atalanta about two months ago, well, I think. The last thing they need is him. <laughs> so Marseille did end up finishing fifth thanks to that win they leapfrog Montpellier in the table but not enough for Europe this season with Paris Saint-Germain failing to win either of the domestic cup competitions so Garcia on his way out and we have another listener email it's been a Hang bumper on, Dave, week for the on, inbox on that uh, in the post-match interviews of Montpellier Marseille there were, there were plenty of questions and both Rudy Garcia and Florent Tovin made reference to the fact that fifth place wasn't European as though it was almost Paris Saint-Germain's fault as though they were victims of, as, that somehow Paris Saint-Germain may have done this on purpose. This is the feeling I got. It, it, was, it was strange that they're looking to deflect the fact that they finished fifth. Normally, the last five years, fifth place has qualified for Europe this year because, well, we know what happened. Paris lost both cups. And we're, we're here looking, looking stupid in fifth place. They planned to finish fifth, thinking that Paris would win both cups? I mean, it's, it's madness. Listener email, Papa from Nigeria. Thanks for your email, Papa. Great podcast. I'm addicted to Ligue 1 because of you guys. Thanks for those words. And his question, who do you think should replace Rudy Garcia as the new Marseille manager? Personally, I think getting Jose Mourinho will be huge for OM and French football, and it will add a lot more spice to Le Classique. Well, Papa, I think Jose Mourinho is too expensive for OM. Instead of the special one, they might get the special two, as Andre Villas-Boas was known early in his career after winning the Europa League with Porto in 2011 at the age of 33. Villas-Boas said to be sporting director Anthony Zubizarreta's top choice to replace Garcia. He's been in Monaco at the moment because he was there for the F1 Grand Prix. Loves his motorsport, took, play, took part in the Dakar Rally in 2018, did Villas-Boas. But he's not coached for 18 months. His last job was with Shanghai in China. Darren, is Villas-Boas the right man for OM and is it the right place for him to get back into the top European game? Yeah, I think the, you've hit the nail on the head with the idea that he's not worked for a while, which is why he's probably interested in getting back in via, via Marseille. Uh, because a couple of years ago, he might have thought that that's not the job for him. Right now, he needs uh, to get back into European football. Marseille is a hotbed uh, of football. It's a fantastic footballing city, which I often compare to, to a place like Liverpool, for example, you know, the big port towns where, where people really are into their football. And, and in France, we often have this chat about, you know, is France a, a really hot, you know, hotbed of football fandom or, or not? When you go to Marseille, you get in a taxi, the first thing the taxi driver talks to you about is Marseille, the football club, l'OM. Um, he will enjoy that when he's down there, the fervour. Uh, I think he's probably uh, an interesting choice for the club because he does have a certain amount of, uh, of experience, of course, at top-level football. Not uh, a guy who has a CV filled with titles, though. Um, so what can he bring uh, to Marseille that they don't have? I think that, that he will bring a certain aura, nevertheless. They'll have uh, maybe respect for him. You know, it's that typical thing where uh, being a foreigner uh, um, sometimes helps you to settle in. You know, It gives you a little bit of distance, perhaps a little bit of respect from the players that maybe another French guy might not get so easily. It's a, it's a really, really tough job. Lots of... Coaches have left with their careers, you know, uh, slightly in tatters after after failing uh, at Marseille because it's such an, a demanding uh, club and the fans are so demanding. But when they get behind you, it's a fantastic place to be. And perhaps mm. Villas-Boas, uh, seeing as they can't afford Mourinho, let's face it, um, perhaps Villas-Boas is a good choice. Best. Yeah, if you well, can't I get think... one Portuguese, get the next one. But let's also not forget that Villas-Boas, as you said, Dave, has had European success and so have Marseille. Not only we're, we're going back a fair way now for that first Champions League title, but look, Europa League finalists just two years ago. Last year. Last year. And, and, and before that, going back another decade, they were in the final again of the UEFA Cup. They, they are a side that know what it means to play in Europe. They are a side with a name in European football as well. People outside of France know PSG, Marseille, Lyon because of their European past. And that means for a coach like Villas-Boas, look, he can draw certain players that will come because they, they like the idea of playing in Marseille. And as Darren said, it's one of the few, perhaps along with Lens and Saint-Étienne, that it is a football hotbed in France where passions really are high. 
And look, no matter what you say about Marseille, the club, how they run, that is a big draw card as well. And that, as you said, when fans get behind you, when the positive feeling is behind that club, it can move mountains. I think it's a bit of a gamble if they do appoint Andre Villas-Boas because he did fail at Chelsea and Tottenham. Zenit St. Petersburg, a bit of a, a mixed record there. His advantage... He might bring he does, Hulk. He does have... He does have an aura about him. He does speak several languages, which is vital in modern-day football. Uh, he's got his trademark. If Marcelo Bielsa used to sit on that ice bucket, Andre Villas-Boas squats by the sideline. It's, it's tougher and tougher for a man in his mid-40s as he is now. Um, I worry that perhaps he should perhaps wear darker trousers because when the Marseille fans turn against you, it can get a bit squeaky, let's say. Uh, other names that were talked about, Gabriel Heinz and Laurent Blanc, former Marseille players, I'd have liked to have seen Laurent Blanc come back to French football at Marseille. That would have been a real challenge for him, particularly as he'd probably be without Jean-Louis Gasset, who has been his sidekick throughout his biggest successes. Uh, Heinzer, managing at the moment in Argentina, mm. and he was a, a warrior on the pitch, loved by the Marseille fans, but seemingly out of the running now. Well, I think if, if Gabriel Heinzer goes to Marseille, that will, that will definitively end the, the good terms that remain with a few people of his uh, relationship with Paris Saint-Germain as well, because he was at Paris Saint-Germain before he went to Real Madrid and, and Manchester United as well, before returning to French football with Marseille. Look, Heinzer, he's that type of player that, that will win fans over everywhere. Lyon have shown in the past that they love bringing back former players to coach. Maybe that could work for Marseille. I agree with you, Dave. I would have loved to see Laurent Blanc at either Lyon or Marseille. Laurent Blanc at another big French club. I think he's, he's a player with that big club experience from an, an, a, when he was a player, now a coach with, with experience of well of winning titles that would have been great to see him bring his calm and, and, and his ideas to a, to a big French club. But looks like it's not going to happen. You know, guys, that I'm not one to name drop. Um, so I was having dinner <laughs> with Laurent Blanc the other day. Uh, and <laughs> true story uh, he made it pretty clear that working in France would be difficult for him having already won the league with Bordeaux as a surprise and mm. then you know dominating French football with PSG he knows better than anybody that PSG are such a dominant force in French football that it's really tough to go somewhere else and the idea of finishing second to mm. PSG might not be uh, the most motivational of things for him. Well, other coaching changes are afoot. Juninho and Silvino have already flown in to Leon Juninho's the sporting director and Silvino, the new coach, taking over from Bruno Genesio. I saw the photo of Jean-Michel Olas with the two of them at the airport and there were so many jackets and jeans there. I thought I was looking at the new presenting team for Top Gear. So uh, they're going to be officially you, 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 unveiled this week. You didn't see the little video where we where we uh, could hear the the few words of English in between uh, Jean-Michel Olas and and Silvino. It was very very polite and clear. We're very happy to have you here. I am happy as well. It was. Uh, I'd, I'd like to, to underline the the passion of this you know club president that is Jean-Michel Olas, who knows perhaps not that well known outside of France, but who's just done an absolutely amazing job. And he's a very controversial figure here in France, of course, because he's very outspoken. You know, in English football, we don't really see or hear club chairman very often. Uh, in France, it's completely different. He's like, a bit like a Donald bit like Trump with his Twitter account, isn't he? Well, yeah, he, not he's, as bad, but... He, yeah, yeah he, without the, the extreme views. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but views, nonetheless. But all that's but is very constant, outspoken. Constant yeah, he's a, yeah, exactly. A constant uh, presence. But, you know, he built this, he took over the club when they were in the second division more than 25 years ago and has made them into a major force, you know, a force to be reckoned with, uh, with some fantastic uh, victories, trophies, players uh, and managers. And to see the passion of this guy who's, you know, who, who's well past the retirement age, going to the airport himself to be there because he has this childlike, you know, uh, enthusiasm still, which, which I really enjoy. And, and I liked seeing him. Yeah. The fact that he actually went to the airport himself. He could have sent anybody to about, go and pick them up. About two months ago, he went there, around all the grinning. supporter groups and, yeah. and sat down with them because they were unhappy about with the coach and with certain selections and they felt the players weren't. And he went himself and sat down with all the ultras. I remember last season, no, he, he was in with the ultras. Right, with the, yeah, he, he, he for the Saint-Etienne game, the he let off a flare uh, <laughs> in the Europa League the previous season when there was terrible events, to be honest, in the, the stadium in the game mm. against Bajiktas. Yeah. And there was... A pitch invasion, let's call it an invasion. It was more for their own protection because there were so many flares being thrown inside the ground. And 
For a while, it was touch and go as to whether the match would resume. And Olas went over and he helped calm the situation down. He has a great influence on those supporters groups. But let's move on to talk more about the managerial merry-go-round, as our executive producer Ian Holyman likes to refer to it. Brest have already appointed Olivier Dalolio, the former Dijon coach, who was really unlucky to lose his job there. Mm-hmm. Um, some debate about Vaid Hallard. That Ozic, might yet whether- work. The Dijon switch. We'll, we'll have to well, wait and see. But it's it worth underlining as well that the Brest have just won promotion and their manager resigned. And I really like Jean-Marc Furlong, who yeah. took them to promotion. Yeah. He, he's led twice up in the past, mm. but he says he's been through that experience of not having the resources in Ligue 1 to compete. He's had enough of that. But I like Furlong's attitude. I like his style. This is much less of a name drop than your Laurent Blanc, but I have appeared <laughs> on French chat shows with Jean-Marc Furlong before, and he's a lovely bloke. Um, and, and going he, he's to joined do, Auxerre, of course. Do Auxerre have the have the the means to to try and come up because they've had a disastrous couple of years in the second division as well. I guess but, he's re- received some sort of kind of guarantees, but anyway, he's he's a he's an expert at getting teams up, even if he doesn't always stay with them. Afterwards. And then back down. <laughs> Other coaches, we wonder whether we'll see them on the bench in August. Vahid Halilhodzic at Nantes. Mm. Some debate about Julian Stefan as well. After leading Rennes to the Coupe de France, he wants things done more his way. Uh, I see him a bit as the, the Nagelsmann of, of French football, this young coach who's already enjoyed success. But let's talk more about Saint-Étienne because as we predicted correctly for once on the Ligue 1 podcast, Jean-Louis Gasset has left Saint-Étienne, a touching tribute to him as the players came out all wearing Gasset-style baseball caps for the, mm-hmm. the last game against was it Angers at the weekend. I think it was Angers, it was, yeah. yeah. And so some players want... Uh, his assistant Gislam Pranton to take over, notably Yanam Villa, who linked his future to Gasse's, but now says that he'll be willing to stay as long as Pranton takes over. But it seems that not everyone is convinced by the 58-year-old former Bastia coach. I think there's it's old school football, isn't it, at the moment with Jean-Louis Gasse and Gislam Pranton. And I think in some respects, Yanam Villa appreciates that out of them, and, and probably Remy Cabella as well. This Saint-Étienne squad. As we said about Marseille, Lens, it's the football hotbed. They've got two old presidents who are both mad Saint-Étienne fans as well, often clouding their judgment perhaps and not always in the best interests of the club. But you can't deny the fact that they bleed green, the, the two presidents. The players, I think, have all they're all players that have had huge potential and have ended up somehow in Saint-Étienne by mistake. Yanam Villa, he, he hasn't escaped controversy controversy throughout his career and he's sort of come back here and he's found just the joy of playing football again in front of passionate fans with these two old coaches that that <laughs> and I'm not saying they're limping around or, or <laughs> with with walking sticks but you know there's something probably really refreshing that there's no artifice it's just here we talk about football here we play football and the results have been there as well because Saint-Étienne there could be huge pressure a foreign investor could come in and think I want to turn all this passion in, into transfer deals and money and a new stadium. And this is just old school French football, the most successful club in terms of league titles in French history. And they do things the Saint-Étienne way. And look, I think it's great that Yann and Villa says, I don't think it's a, necessarily a player's place to say, look, if the coach leaves, I'm leaving. They have different contracts. They're, they're, you know, they're, but they came in for Gasset, a, a lot yes, of these players. he brought them in. But that happens all the time. You have stories of players who say, look, I was brought in by this coach. Three weeks later, he was sacked. I never played again. That, sometimes that happens in football. You have a little bit of a problem at the club, though, because uh, you mentioned there's a, there are co-presidents, co-chairmen. Um, they don't see eye to eye. Yeah, Roland Romayé and Bernard Kayat. Yeah, Romayé is is, a, is seen as the penny pinching part of this couple, uh, and he wants probably to to go with Pantin because that would be the cheaper option. Kayazo mm. uh, uh, apparently is more interested in bringing in a, a bigger name, uh, and this is one that could could roll on for a little while. You say Romayé is penny pinching. He once gave me a free lunch at the Saint Etienne training ground, so thanks for that, Roland. Uh, we have another listener email relating to Saint Etienne. And it's from Andrew Foote, who says, I'm a Ligue 1 fan in Canada and a supporter of AS. That's Association Sportive de Saint-Étienne. If Jean-Louis Gasset leaves, it will be a big blow to the club. Well, he has left now since this email was sent. The way he's righted the ship after the disastrous 2017 season with Oscar Garcia leaving and Julian Sablé coming in before Gasset's arrival is nothing short of remarkable. As bad as they looked midway through last season, it's remarkable that a spot in Europe has been secured this season. After that thumping by Lyon and Garcia's departure, fourth place a year later seemed impossible. He also says hats off to Christophe Galtier as well for the job he did in Lille. While I get the impression that not all of you are Galtier fans, 
As a Saint-Étienne fan, his departure mm-hmm. from the club was a sad moment for me. I certainly held him to be on the best coaches of the last little while for Le Vert. His long tenure at Saint-Étienne is to me sign of what he brings to a club in a league that seems to cycle through coaches at an above average rate. Keep up the good work, chaps. Regards, Andrew Foote. Thanks for the kind words, Andrew. Very good, Andrew. So, Monaco were still in slight danger of finishing 18th and going into the promotion relegation playoff coming into their last game of the season, which was the Côte d'Azur derby at Nice as Patrick Vieira's Les Aiglons chased 7th in the table and I commentated that one. Atal, dangerous ball and it's an own goal. Benoit Badiashil. Nice 1, Monaco 0. The 18-year-old putting through his own net. Le Bion for 2-0, he goes for power and the injury-plagued striker has his first Nice Ligue 1 Conferama goal in over two years. It means so much to him. All those long hours put in in rehab are worth it when he managed to score a derby goal like that. Cesc Fabregas missed loads of chances in that game. His finishing was abysmal. It looks as though Fabregas, who's top earner there, along with Radamel Falcao, will still be there. He signed for Thierry Henry. Henry left just weeks after that, uh, Leonardo Jardim back in. But Captain Falcao, who has almost single-handedly kept them up this season with his 15 goals, might well be off, linked with a return to Atletico Madrid. And uh, Valencia also have Champions League football to offer him. El Tigre, 83 goals and 14 assists in 140 games, 15 goals or more in each of the last three seasons. To me, it sounded like he will be leaving. He was non-committal. He still hides a little bit behind the fact that his French isn't that great for someone who signed for Monaco in 2013. He's been a fabulous player for them. And mm. it's true that his goals this season have been of an utmost importance, of a dreadful season for Monaco. Uh, to see them flirting you know, with the relegation zone as they have been the last few weeks has been a, one of the most surprising things of the season. That They're in dreadful shape and a lot of rebuilding to be done over the summer, but they've got an enormous squad. And if you can sort things out and get everybody fit again, then they, you know, and they there's, have there's some no very way. talented young, young players, players who will be better and stronger probably for, mm-hmm. for having lived. And, they have and more than 70 professional season. players under contract. Yeah, they crazy. signed 21 players over the last 12 months. Most of them have been terrible. It's, it's crazy. That's incredible. It's That's crazy. following the, the, the modern foot, football business uh, model. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but Falcao yeah, needs to get out and, and, he the, might be playing the, baseball, mightn't he? Didn't he say he, he wants say, to yeah, finish like his career? Michael Jordan-style conversion to another yeah. sport, big baseball yeah. lover. Dream on. But, he, <laughs> I mean, he, he needs, uh, I imagine, you know, to feel the heat of a, of a crowd behind him when he scores a goal. You know, I mean, it must be mm. a little bit dispiriting after a while, you know. Of course, it's lovely seeing all that money going in your bank account and no tax man there to take any of it away. Uh, it's yeah, but wonderful, these, but wonderful, these wonderful. Animals, they live off adrenaline. You want to score don't a goal they? and have you know fifty thousand people cheer yeah. rather than you know fifteen. Well, when you come from Porto and then Atletico Madrid and to to the Stade Louis II, it might, must be a bit of a shock to the system. I think it's actually a very nice life. I'd love to play for. Yes, but, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, not previously played for Porto and Atletico Madrid, DC. <laughs> there, there was, if they want to offer me a contract, I'm all ears. Oleg Petrov, I'll give you my number. Uh, anyway, there was a turnaround on the last day. Uh, Kong kicked off in 18th position and actually hoping to get out of the bottom three completely because they were taking on Bordeaux, who had lost six in a row, looked awful under their new coach, Paolo Sousa. But Kong ended up losing that game, 1-0. Eunice Sonkare, the former Dijon man, got the winner. And so Dijon, by dint of their victory, secured by a Julio Tavares goal against Strasbourg, managed to get into 18th, meaning they go into a two-legged playoff against Lens, the sleeping giants of French football, the 1998 Ligue 1 winners. Lens always take big travelling support. This will be played over two legs. Dijon, it looks like they'll be without Tavares, their inspirational skipper. He's got a knee injury. Um, Antoine we'll Comboire. be commentating that one, Dave. I've got the first leg. I've got you the second the leg, yeah. Leg. yeah. Um, while I think Dijon have contributed a lot to Ligue 1. It's no secret that Lens would add a lot to Ligue 1 football. The passion of that support is unrivaled. Absolutely. I think it would be fantastic to have Lens back. Look, the winner will deserve it probably over, over the two legs. So whether it is Dijon or Lens, you know, may, may the best team win. But look, I think a lot of sympathisers, a lot of neutral observers would love to see Lens back because we saw them uh, here in Paris last week. They brought 7,000 to Paris for the first playoff match against Paris FC. They then took 7,000 to, to Troyes for the second playoff match. And little word on that as well, Troyes 
barely deserve to come up, given the fact that they couldn't fill that stadium for for a playoff match to to come into the first division. People saying, "Look, it was midweek; it was a, a kickoff time." No excuses. If you're if you want to see your team come up, if you're in the playoffs, you have to fill that stadium to get behind them. The Lance fans were there in huge numbers, and just for that alone, great to see, and great to see. Hopefully, Lance back in the top flight. Was that, was that your mini coup de gueule? Mini coup de gueule. Yeah, shouting at the, at the trois yeah. supporters. Well, that's just disappointing. For not turning up. Even Amiens, I haven't been a big fan of Amiens, but they filled the Stade de la Licorne last weekend and got a huge win. You can see how important the fans are. They had a, a walk in Amiens. We've hardly seen a fan in Amiens all season, but when it counted, when they needed that game to turn it around, because they were also in danger of coming down, the stadium full, fantastic atmosphere. They got a 2-0 victory. Well played, Amiens. You deserve it. Mm. So the Andouillette will remain in Ligue 2 uh, for next season, this famous <laughs> we sausage from Troyes. <laughs> uh, they refuse to tell you exactly what's in it, and that's probably best, uh, actually. It's like an Aussie meat pie. They, there are some of my French players, French friends say to me, uh, Andouillette you know, is a bit of a, well, delicacy would perhaps be a, being a bit too polite for it. But, but they say... The more it smells bad, mm-hmm. the better it is. Yeah. But they rate it on an A system, don't they? So you yes. want to have the, the four 5A A rating on Duet. I'd yeah. hate to taste a 3A rating on Duet. Really, is not something I would recommend. No, no, don't go there. Don't go there. I remember I ordered it once by mistake, and and made my and I forced my way through about half of it, but it was, it's it's just horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> well, Guillaume Gillet, the captain of Lens, probably their best known player, the Belgian international who was seen before in Ligue 1. Mm-hmm. And so we'll find out and we'll talk about this next week on the podcast. Absolutely. Who's in Ligue 1? Will it be Dijon staying or Lens going up? If Dijon go down, of course, Antoine Comboiré, the coach, uh, manager at Dijon, will have taken down two sides. He started the season with, uh, with Gangon. Quite a feat. And he's a former Lens boss as well. So exactly. in, the, yeah. in keeping with recent weeks, let's call it the Comboiré code just because that's what we're doing with every game now. So. <laughs> Anyway, we're getting quite close to the end of this show. We need to go through oh, some no. transfer rumours, a bit of tittle-tattle, a bit of yes, no, will they, this won't they. This is the they? bit everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> so let's start PSG. Mbappe to leave, Rob. No. Done. Absolutely no <laughs> chance of that No chance. Happening. Neymar, no chance of leaving. Probably Antero Enrique, no chance of leaving either, I would say. Now, I saw a photo of Adrian Rabiot posing with the Hexagol Trophy in the physio's room last week. He's not played for months. Most people have probably forgotten he's still on Just 14 PSG's matches books. for Adrian. He will be leaving. I don't think there's much <laughs> doubt about that. There hasn't been much doubt about but that where? for uh, Look, who knows? It's a very well-kept secret. He's not replying to my text messages where I just wanted to see how he was getting on during this difficult uh, situation. I think he's cut, cut a lot of, burned a lot of bridges, not... Uh, in a, in a bad way, but to, to sort of try and protect himself of this current situation. It's a shame. He's a really lovely guy, Adrian Rabio, and it's a, a real shame to see what's happened to him over the last six months. I hope he starts playing football again. I hope he starts enjoying his football again because he is one incredibly talented central midfielder who doesn't like to play number six by all accounts, but I'm sure he will find a, a number eight role, a box-to-box role. His idol was Steven Gerrard. Um, look, I hope to see him back on a football pitch soon. Here's a segue for you. Steven Gerrard, ex-Liverpool. James Milner, current Liverpool. But out of contract at the end of the season after the Champions League final. He's now 33. But would he be a good fit for Paris Saint-Germain, Darren? Certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think Paris Saint-Germain, I, I agree that uh, James Milner's perhaps not the, the ideal situation. But he does something they didn't have this season. He's hard-working, think- disciplined and motivates the squad. You wouldn't have had Manchester United running through PSG the way they did. Yeah, if you're you're not going to bring midfield. in somebody at that age, no, are you, I think, I think No, though, a bit older. They did Buffon. Bring in, yeah, Gianluigi Buffon. <laughs> Dani Alves. But I think they, they do need a player like this. A player that everyone thinks he's not good enough to play for Paris Saint-Germain. I remember... Oh, they had one. You know, he was called Blaise Matuidi. Exactly. Mm. That's exactly okay. what I was just going to say. Every season, people would say, look, Blaise is going to lose his place. They've not replaced the his now. running at It was all. the same with the Milner national always side. covers the most ground of any player. Exactly. In his younger days, I used to look at those stats at half-time and think, I've not seen him do anything in the whole of this half. Yeah, I, don't know what, I don't know where he's running. Is exactly. he running up and down on and the every spot? every season, it's, well, Blaise is going to lose his place in Paris Saint-Germain. Blaise won't be first choice in the France national team. And when you win the World Cup and when Paris win the league and they're in the big matches at the end of the season... Blaise Matuidi is there. Paris didn't replace that type of player. That's the player they should have replaced. The one that everyone says, 
we don't that player won't play we don't need that player that's the one you need this was supposed to be the quick yes no answers yes, yeah yes. okay that's why yeah, okay oh wait, Bobby, no, that's just, 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 just checking on that one uh, just a quick one because you mentioned Buffon <laughs> uh, you know if, if one player needs to go it's him I mean this was a nightmare situation she's never brought him in you know it's like it was a, a, a like a you know oh oh we can have a big star you know in the club and you don't need him he had a shocker against Reims that surely should be his last game Kimpembe to stay Kimpembe to leave difficult season for him difficult question Dave like Presnel Kimpembe as well. Um, I hope he stays because he's Paris Saint-Germain, born and bred. He, he, he's a club man all the way through. I agree he's had a difficult season, but again, he's a player that won the World Cup that has risen through the ranks at such speed in the last few seasons. And perhaps he just needs to take a step back. He's got a young kid as well as of the last, the last 12 months. Lots of changes, life on and off the pitch. I hope we can come back and see the best of, of Presnel because physically he's an absolute beast. And uh, he's a good footballer, technically strong. Hope to see the best of him as well at Paris next season. Yeah, he's taken a little bit of a step back this season, mm. you know. But, uh, but I, think I think mental he, more than anything, Darren. Yeah, I think he, he should. He and should conceded stay. that penalty against Man United. Well, the referee gave yeah. a penalty against him against Manchester United. He should stay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to Leon transfers. Usam Awar linked mm. with Manchester City. Guardiola picked out Awar and Ndombele over those two games against City when Leon took the four points. He gave. The, for me, what is a standard footballer's answer? Who wouldn't be interested in Manchester City? Uh, he well, also Guardiola's had, uh, at Juventus, maybe. Not he had the an Mbappe-esque phrase <laughs> saying he wants more responsibility. That's the thing at the moment. More yeah. responsibility. He wants to be a technical leader and a dressing room leader. Personally, I think he'll stay because Juninho is his hero. He wears the same numbered shirt, the eight that Juninho mm. wore. And I think one meeting with Juninho this week and Awar will be Lyonnais for another year. It's an interesting way to ask for a pay rise these days, isn't it? You don't say I want more money, you say I want more responsibility. Um, I'm going to go and see my bosses right after this podcast (laughs) and say that I want more more responsibilities. responsibilities. Uh, I think Awa is an absolutely wonderful player and Lyon can build around him. Ndombele, uh, according to everybody I've spoken to around Lyon, uh, for some reason, uh, nobody really likes him very much. It's incredible. Uh, his for his me, attitude. He's the most talented player. Wonderful, wonderful Olympic player. Lyonnais, but lots of people say, you know, there's a problem with his attitude. There's a problem with his personality. Uh, it's pretty sure, pretty certain that he will be leaving. Uh, I would love to see him join PSG. I think he's exactly the kind of player they need. I think when you have a player like Usem Awa and Ndombele, there was talk at, at some point this season when you have the two of them on the pitch, you don't have enough grinta, enough uh, defensive nyak on the pitch. I think Awa is a far more disciplined, organised player. He's, he reminds me of, of one of those neat and tidy players that has responsibility. Maybe you're not going to see some incredible dribble or goal from, from 50 metres out or something, but the player He's that so can, stylish. Run, uh, can run a game and stylish player. He has already been compared to Iniesta and I mm. can see the similarities exactly. because he likes to play in that sort of left-sided position mm. in Drift. midfield and he's got such talent. A he's word a, on Ndombele. Ndombele, I think, is an outrageously talented player and so much so that I think he quickly can fall into that I'm easy, I've, I've already seen who I'm playing against here, I can run this with my eyes shut, just you know, hold my beer. <laughs> and 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 boss well, physically he's incredible, but sometimes he doesn't track. And I back. think moving and in that note, I think moving to to a Paris Saint Germain, where you know he will be in a side that dominates, a side where he can maybe he. For my fear is that you'd you'd need a James Milner alongside a, a Tongi Ndombele, perhaps. I think Ndombele, if he goes to English football, he could be an incredible. Now, I said we had to be quick, but we've got to be really, really <laughs> quick now. Okay, one word. One so, word, Fakir, Jean-Michel Olash doesn't even count him amongst the players who are going to leave. He just says if he wants to go, it's time. Uh, Memphis Depay, off. Finished the season strongly. Good calling card for the next club. Is that why he finished the Ten goals the and ten assists again. Yeah, it's very a, rare. He's, he's Sell a him. very good player. I Sell think him. he's the one that decides that one. I'd, like, I'd love to see him stay. I think he's good, but Leon have to, have to produce the goods alongside him as well. He's probably going to go. Fakir, let him go. Great club servant, dodgy knee. But who's going to want him? I've let him go. Mm. Kevin Strutman to Manchester United from Olympique de Marseille. <laughs> Good luck. They obviously haven't been watching him. <laughs> he should never have left Roma. He never wanted to leave Roma. Find a five-year deal. Mm. Marseille are committed to a lot of wages for the Dutchman, who for me was the transfer flop of the season. They wasted their summer transfer budget and Zubizarreta and Vilas Boas, if he joins, will have to do a lot better this time around. Well, I think that's enough on the transfer rumours, unless anyone knows where Nicola Pepe's going. Anyone, anyone, anyone? No. Wouldn't be surprised to see him in Germany. Be some, ooh, Fine that Munich. sounds like late mail. 
I think uh, whoever and, and gets him will of be Luka very Bacchio happy coming in to replace him at Lille, who's currently on Watford's books, but Sean at Fortuna Dusseldorf, I believe, this season, scoring a lot of goals. Ex-Toulouse man, didn't do anything at Toulouse. But it is time for Bon Voyage. Now, the, the Ligue 1 elite uh, probably already on the beach or with their national sides, whatever they're doing. But we're still going to be here next week. We're going to have an end-of-season special. We're going to be dishing out the awards. Robbie Thompson's going to get one, Darren Tuller as well, <laughs> maybe even Armel Tongi, Matt Spiro if he's back. Um, so the beauty of Le Boja is that you can download it on all of the platforms. You can get it on iTunes, Spotify, we're everywhere. And you can listen to it on the beach while supping your favourite drink whatever that may be and uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week and because it is the end of the season and we're all fairly happy about that we have to say we can't wait for the new season to come around I don't think we're going to do a coup de girl next week I don't do the rant I, no, I don't know why no. well, I, when I, I host I don't do the rants Man, yeah. Matt's just a very angry man but he's going to be back <laughs> next week uh, thanks so much to Darren Tulett and Robbie Thompson for joining me David Crossland on Le Boja Bon semaine and we'll see you next week bye 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 Oh, what a goal! And Kylian Mbappe wraps it up.